it's his fault for not being here, honestly. There you go. Hold <laughs> open. Exactly. And I love that's the way the show starts now. <laughs> Dallas, it's all your fault. And yeah, I will say that to your face again later. But hello, everyone. And welcome back to the Comics Collective, the uh, weekly comic show where we talk about a comic or graphic novel of our choice. I'm your co-host, Anne. I'm Lexi. And, you know, Dallas is on vacation this week because, you know, he's he's lame like that and has to have time for, you know, R&R every once in a while. Like, mental health is important or something. But that's okay because I think we have a pretty great co-host to, to kind of make up for that. And, you know, if you would like to go ahead and introduce yourself, we have the wonderful Jadzia Axelrod with us today. Hello. Hello. Good morning. I did, it's great. It's afternoon here. But, oh, yeah, uh, I forgot. I just... It's not for me. It's morning for me, and <laughs> it's morning for someone. But it's been it's been a great morning. It is now a great afternoon, and I'm super excited to be here. Oh, we are so so excited to have you because today, everyone listening, we read Galaxy, the prettiest star this week. One of my absolute favorite comics of the year. It's probably going to be number number one by the time the year closes. I know it's one of Dallas's favorite books of the month, and I'm not just saying of the year. Be- I'm not just saying that because he's not here, and I can say whatever he wants. He hates Batman, by the way. Um, you know, it's it's such a wonderful and beautiful book that's very important to me. And Lexi, this was your first time reading Galaxy. What did you think about this book? I loved it. Like I cannot confidently say that about a lot of the books that we've read on this podcast because I love to be a brat, <laughs> but this one was so. Good. I read it so fast. I even like, I'm not even kidding. I probably read it in like 20 minutes. And then after I was like, I hopefully I did not skim more than I anticipated. So then I went back and read it again. So I loved it. The art was beautiful. The story was so good. It brought tears to my eyes more often than not. And I think everybody should get their hands on this book. For those listening who don't know, I wrote Galaxy the Prettiest Star. <laughs> I yes. probably should have mentioned that. See, that's on me. <laughs> that's fine. You actually did ask me to introduce myself, and I decided to hold back that information. So that is on me. Yeah, uh, but I did write that book, so it's very wonderful to hear you say that, Lexi. Thank you. Of course. Uh, so, so cool. You know, um, since Dallas isn't here, I'm just going to blame him for everything that happens. He, that's his fault that we didn't mention that fact. Yeah. Um, yeah. Every time we have a girls only episode, this is exactly what, it's a what happens. Bit of shenanigans we every time. Complete gremlins. <laughs> <laughs> that would be why I feel so right at home. That makes exactly. perfect sense now. <laughs> so, for everyone listening at home, if you haven't had the chance to pick up Galaxy the Prettiest Star yet, one, I recommend you pause the episode and go do that because we're going to be going into full spoilers here. Full um everything. This is a book that you'd want to experience before you take a listen to this episode. And to, if you don't, if you want to listen to a little bit of the episode anyway and figure out if this is a book you're going to be interested in, the short synopsis is this book is about um, an alien whose name is Taylor, who has to come and live on Earth in disguise as a human boy because an alien race is out there hunting for her and so she has to lay low for a while. And the fact that she isn't a boy causes some minor problems in her life that she has to deal with in her own way. This is a very, very wonderful and very brilliant, I think, um, allegory for the the transgender experience. I think that Taylor is a wonderful transgender character. 
And this is about her finding herself and being able to reclaim who she is and finding power in that. So, yeah, we get and a girls lot. kiss a bunch. Oh yeah, <laughs> there's a lot oh, of yes. kissing. I love it. it. In addition oh, to being very trans, it's also very gay. I think that's important to include. Oh yeah, so absolutely. <laughs> this is one of the queerest books I've read this year in all the best ways. And we will get more into that. But Jazzy, I want to pass it over to you for a second because I just want to um, talk about the the genesis of this book a little bit because in the landscape of especially big two comics, um, Marvel and DC, it's been pretty barren for a while in terms of transgender representation. And I remember when I started like my own Twitter account, one of the first things I talked about a lot was just where are these characters? They often will pop up for a little bit, be kind of like the side, side story, and then they'll get shot off into space or something never to be seen again. Um, and then this book comes out, which is the first one, I believe, from DC where the transgender character is the main focus of the entire story. How did this book come about? How did we get Galaxy, the pretty star, from conception into our hands? Um, yeah, well, a lot of it is all... Uh, Michelle Wells, who was editor mm -hmm. of the YA line at the time, um, and then later editor-in-chief of DC before she moved on. And um, she was talking to my agent at the time and said, we are looking for people to write these YA books who have a uh, understanding of the characters and a familiarity with them, but who have a distinctive point of view. And my agent said, do I have the girl for you? And so I was asked to do some pitches, um, little two sentence pitches, very small. And I sent them a bunch because why not? Um, there was uh, there was a Superman one in there. I had a pitch that I thought they were going to go for with um, Lux, a teenage Lex Luthor taking over a boy's boarding school. Oh, and cool. yeah, like that's how I thought this is what they're going to pick. And then at the bottom I had... Um, what was going, what turned into Galaxy. And I was like, they're never going to choose this one. This is too far. But I'm going to hate myself if I don't put it in there. So, because they weren't even asking for original characters at that point that I knew of. Um, so I tossed it in and that was the one they wanted. And um, there was a lot of back and forth between me and Michelle about how to do this book right. And, um, and then later with Sarah, who as the editor now um, of the book, not editor-in-chief. She's just the editor of the book, mm -hmm. among other books. She's edited a bunch of wonderful books. Point is, <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, so, and it came out of that. And it was just, I was really fortunate in that the people in charge really wanted this story and wanted to see the story and um, gave me a lot of leeway to tell it, which was really nice. Um, when I work for um, publishers, I always have my line in the sand where it's like, if you want to make any changes, I'm open to it because we're all on the same page here. We're all trying to make it the best book, but there are some things that I want to keep um, that are important to me. And I have those locked in a little box and it's like, you can't touch these. And a lot of that was the gay stuff and the trans stuff. And for the most part, that was mm -hmm. never... Um, messed with like that was not wow. the one exception is the scene after taylor gets all dolled up right before the party and she looks great and she sees herself in the mirror the first time it's a beautiful moment mm -hmm. and then right after that she freaks out 
and all the years of repression and um, anxiety and depression just come flooding back and, and she can't handle it. And there was a request from Sarah saying like, this scene ruins the pacing. It's better if we go right from the mirror to the party. And in that way, she's correct. She's absolutely correct. Like the pacing is better that way. This scene does kind of stop uh, a building mood in its tracks, which was the point. And I, I pushed back against that. And I said, this is a scene that's I've never seen in transmedia, this reaction. And I think it's so important because it's something that I felt. It's something that I've talked to other trans people and they have felt like this is not an uncommon thing. And I really think it should be in the book. And to Sarah's credit, she respected that and kept it in. So that was, I was been really fortunate in that I was able to tell the story how I wanted to, and we would have this character be a lead and be the focus. And it's been great. I love that so much. Yeah. That's that's so awesome. I'm so glad that they let you keep that scene because I know Mm -hmm. that that was one of the scenes that hit me the hardest when I was reading through it because, like you said, a lot of trans people go through that. And that was a scene that was very, very personal to me. This book has a lot of those moments where I feel like you nailed the experience in the way it was like, I feel like you were actually inside my head and you read all my deepest, most personal memories. And you're like, that's a great story point. I'm going to put that right here. And to know that it's like a shared and communal feeling and experience is so, so cool. And I think a lot of people, when they read this book, are going to have that realization where it's like, oh, there are other people out there that have these same feelings that I do, that have these same same moments and these same um, ups and downs that I do. Because I think one of the coolest things about the story and what you do with Taylor is you don't just show moments of like trans pain and trans sorrow, because there's a lot of that. And I think that gets highlighted a lot in media where it's like, this is how, how sad our stories can be. I There's actually, it was one of my issues with the Marvel Voices Pride this year that just came out because they introduced a new trans superhero whose superpower is making people sad whenever she tells stories. And I'm like, I get it. But at the same time, that's a, that's a lot. That's a lot it's to a deal with. It's a little on the nose, but yeah, you know, it's, it's like, gee, thanks. <laughs> exactly. But there's moments of just pure trans joy in this that was so so wonderful to see and it's that aspect that gets so overlooked sometimes is how this journey for like people like us it it has a lot of hardships but it has so many beautiful moments too and i never seen that in media before so that's going really personal into why the story hit me the way it did that was something i'll always be grateful for and seeing that scene you i'm, I'm glad you fought back against that one so that that was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And the whole point of the book is that I wanted to show that being trans is beautiful and mm-hmm. being uh, and having queer love is transformative. Those are the two things that I really wanted to nail going into this book. And I think even in stories where um, the trans experience is centered, there's often so much not enough um, given to how be, being trans is beautiful. Like that shouldn't be as revolutionary as it is. Like that shouldn't be mm-hmm. um, as hard to find as it is. Um, and I think there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, not the least of which is because battling dysphoria, it is hard to see ourselves as beautiful. Mm-hmm. And And I really wanted to 
kind of give um, the very confused younger trans person that I was and who had trouble seeing themselves as beautiful. And I wanted them to have something that would help them. And, and that was the book. Oh, that's just, oh my goodness. I just, this is so sweet. And I also kind of say, want to say on the flip side of that, um, as someone who grew up in a very conservative, small town in Utah, um, I was never really exposed to any type of media like this. And reading through this for the first time and having transgender friends, queer friends now as an adult, it was so beautiful for me to read. And it's such an eye-opening experience, especially hearing Anne say like how seen she is by this comic. I I just feel like it gave me a little bit of an insight on how to how to help my friends, you know, how to be there for them, how to understand a little bit more. I know I will never understand the full experience, but I feel like this is a tool that will help me try. And I feel like that's something that was really beautiful for me to be able to see those experiences. And also the scene you mentioned earlier that almost didn't make it. I think that that was the scene that did bring me to tears. And I'm so thankful that that was in there because yes, like you see this huge empowering moment of our beautiful galaxy all dolled up for the first time seeing herself. And it's such a real feeling to have those fears come back in any aspect. And I just feel like that it it elevated the story for me. So mm-hmm. I really appreciate that a lot. Well, thank you. Of uh, yeah, I really, I put a lot of myself into this. And um, there's that, uh, I think it's F. Scott Fitzgerald quote, which means that Zelda probably said it and he stole it. But uh, where he says like, this is a story about me if I did it right. uh, you'll think it's a story about you. And um, I've been really humbled by the response from people who, like Anne, have said how much that they see themselves in this book and how in some cases this is the only time they've ever seen themselves in media of any kind. And that's been really striking. Um, And I was not prepared for it. Like, I thought... It was a good book and like people are going, I hoped people were going to enjoy it. I did not realize um, how much so many people needed this book. Oh, that's yeah. It's I've, I've seen a lot of that same response and I'm so happy every time someone picks this book up and tells me that it struck a chord with them in one way or the other. It, it means like so much to like just what I've been doing on Twitter, which is, you know, just, absolute nonsense punditry from time to time, but it's so cool to get people pointed in the right direction for something that's going to, you know, change their life potentially. I think this is one of those books. I have to ask, um, talking about like the other pitches you had and the, um, you had a Superman pitch and a Lex Luthor pitch. What were some of the superheroes that affected you in your life and that went on to affect Galaxy and what you wanted for her in this corner little section of the DC universe. Oh, well, it's funny because, like, I'm a huge Batman fan. Um, mm-hmm. And it's here was my opportunity to, like, pitch a Batman story as like, I couldn't think of anything. And I think there's a difference between, like, the stuff you enjoy 
reading or watching or experiencing and the stuff you enjoy writing. Um, so like, I couldn't think of anything uh, bat related at the time um, that I really wanted to do, uh, which is ironic because I later was asked to write a Batman, Batgirl story. And I was like, I got it. No, I've got the perfect <laughs> idea. So at the time I couldn't think of anything. Uh, but, uh, you know, I love, I love space heroes. Um, I love a monster girl. Those are like, so when we were designing galaxy, I was like, she, she has to look non-human. Like that was very mm-hmm. important. It was like, let's, I don't want her to be like completely, um, like still have a human silhouette. Like I, I didn't want her to look bestial, but I did want her to look non-human. Um, and Jess was on board with that, which was great. And so I wanted that. Um, yeah, I love, it's funny you asked about superheroes. Cause I don't think that like, there's any directly superheroes with the possible exception of like, Starfire, but only Teen Titans cartoon Starfire, not comic book Starfire, which I've never connected to, but mm-hmm. Teen Titans cartoon Starfire. I love a lot of this stuff. A lot of Galaxy, I feel, has more in common with like Maggie and Hopi from Lug and Rockets and those characters and those stories than it does superheroes. Um, so it's like asking like, what superheroes? And they're like, oh, not many because it's not... Mm-hmm. It's a different type of superhero story. I've, I've frequent, I used to say, like, I wonder if I could get away with writing a superhero story where there wasn't any fight scenes. And it was just about like the having to deal with the weirdness of living in a superhero universe. And, um, and I did get that chance and it was great. And it is where I would like to live for the rest of my life. Uh, <laughs> don't know if I'll get to, but I, I really enjoyed um that type of narrative. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, like I said, I have a list of favorite superheroes. I think probably the closest is the Alan Davis run of Excalibur probably is the one that lines up the most because, again, that is about, like, how do you deal with all this weird stuff happening? And and there it's played for laughs, but it's still that sort of, like, wait, what's going on? Why is this thing happening to me? <laughs> Uh, and that has always been something that I've enjoyed. Very, very cool. And that is, that's such a good run. Lexi, we'll get around to reading that one very soon. I promise. That's a, that's a fun X run. (laughs) Um, we, we had some questions in from Dallas who wanted to make sure we got these through. He wanted to ask, um, basically just when you're playing a story, when you're writing a story out, what's your scripting process like? Like, is, are you, do you like really detailed scripts or is it kind of more like the Marvel style where you'd like to just kind of bare bones it and really, really work back and forth an artist as talented as Jess to, to make this come to, come to life? Um, well, DC has a very particular way they wanted me to do it. And then mm-hmm. having done it that way, I'm like, oh, well, this is just the best way <laughs> from now on. So um, they wanted a really detailed outline before okay. I started scripting and they wanted to approve that detail that one. And the reason they wanted that is because it's easier to make changes at that level than like say after pages are drawn or even after script is done. 
Um, so if there's structural changes that need to happen, we could do it in the outline. And this was actually such a boon to me when I actually started writing writing because I knew everything that was going to happen. Um, I didn't have to think about well, what happens next. I'm like that happens next. I've already written it down. So now when I do um, large stuff like that, it's it has to be super detailed outline. Um, and there's like dialogue bits in there. There's uh, as I think of them, there's everything. But it, I'm not worried about how the scenes connect. Is essentially um, so. It's everything but the the connective tissue. Um, and, and then I take that and, uh, turn that into a script. And then that script was then handed off to Jess to do that. But there was still a lot of back and forth. Jess has a beautiful artistic style. Um, and they did a lot of really neat things with panels and, pauses in panels to really let moments sink in that I had not included in the script. And so a lot of it, I let them do whatever. Um, there was one moment where I was like, I need you to switch to these two panels back so that they're in the proper order or the joke isn't going to work. So please <laughs> do that <laughs> for the joke. That's mm -hmm. all I want. And they were very kind and, and did that. Um, but for the most part, I did I did want them to like do their own thing um, because their own thing is great. So uh, it's funny because we went through so many different variations of Taylor's look as an alien, um, like so many, and it was a lot of back and forth. And then after mm -hmm. having that, it was like, all right, now you can do whatever you want. I'm happy. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> uh, um, hopefully they would say the same that I backed off after the beginning, but, um, the result is amazing. Like mm -hmm. I had complete trust in them to do something beautiful and they did something beautiful. Um, I include a lot of visuals in my scripts, a lot of images and things like, it doesn't have to look like this exactly, but this will give you the scale that I'm thinking of, or like this is a very particular car that I wanted in this scene, or this is uh I like to put in house pictures. Mm -hmm. Um, because I know as an artist I need to look at a picture of a house in order to draw it. So <laughs> I immediately start looking for pictures of houses and and put that in. And I found like a great real estate listing that had this wonderful exterior and interior. And I was able to include those pictures. And uh, that's why the Barsley house looks so of a piece because it is. And yeah, it's just, I think visually. So I try to include as much of those visual elements as possible to, for the artist um, to use or ignore as they see fit. Mm -hmm. Uh, the colors are all Jess, because I am not a color person. I, right. I said that I wanted um, I wanted Ozma Gap to look like the town in um, FLCL, Bulikuli, and that, so I sent them a, a background image from early in the anime, and I was like, this is the, what I, the color palette for the town. The rest of it, you can do whatever you like. And <laughs> they went off, which was great. Yeah. But to answer the question, it is a script. 
<laughs> Perfect. Roundabout way we got we there. <laughs> we, I enjoyed every second of it. So yes. that's what counts. There is just talking about like, think about the script and how the story plays out in Taylor's story. I think that's all so fantastic. But one of the things that I feel like isn't talked about enough is how wonderful a lot of these side characters are. And Lexi, mm-hmm. I wanted to pass it over to you because we get a lot of... There's so many. <laughs> there's so many. <laughs> but there's a lot of variation in yeah. them and how they approach Taylor, both before and after um, Taylor comes out. And I wanted to ask you which ones were the most striking to you, which ones stood out the most, and which ones surprised you, if any. Um, I feel like the one that surprised me the most was um, Carl. For we sure. all love Carl. I love Carl. At first, like- I was like, ooh, here's Dallas, first of all. This is the Dallas of my story <laughs> when you were teenagers. But um, love Carl, love the character development towards the end. That was really, really great and really striking to me. I also love Sally. Like initially, oh like out the get go, she's like, "Here's this pickle juice I found in the fridge." I was like, "This is the best <laughs> thing I've ever read in my entire life." Um, I loved that. I loved their sisterhood. That Sally was so excited for. You could just like feel it with her. Like and having a younger sister. Um, I wish we would have been friends when she was younger like that, but um, still super fun. Um, I literally am in love with Kat. Love that character with my whole heart and soul. Um, they're all just, they're all just so good. I mean, it's so hard to like pick a favorite, but I do have to say I love Argus. Yes. I've been obsessed with corgis like my entire life. So the fact that Argus was a little corgi, it just like made it so much better for me. It's like, this is best. I was like, I wish I had a little corgi sidekick. This would be so great. But also slash babysitter. <laughs> Argus is the one that was the most fun to write. Yeah. Like, like, I could write character. Argus dialogue all day. <laughs> and just hear that little David Hyde Pierce voice in my head. Just go on and <laughs> on and on. Because uh, he's such a um, such a little fuss budget. And those yeah. are so much fun. And to have just this adorable little dog be like, I know what's best for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That you can just pick him up at any point yeah. is uh, just delightful. Yeah, I and love I love, Yeah, I love the little dialogue between, um, I think it was Kat and Taylor where they're like, oh yeah, Argus was technically supposed to be the size of a tiger, but the soil's a little weird here. I was like, that is so funny. I was like, this is the best thing that's ever happened. He's just got stunted little legs because the yeah. soil's bad. Oh, I loved it. They were all Thank so you. good. They were all so fun. Yeah, I I fell in love with Carl too, re- writing mm-hmm. it. Like I, you're mm-hmm. not supposed to like Carl. He's a jerk and an mm-hmm. asshole. Um, <laughs> but he he does have like reasons for it, mm-hmm. and and finding those reasons kind of unlock the character for me. And to have this other perspective and to show the stakes of what they're doing, mm-hmm. um, and why he's such a dick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, just as like, like I, I, I like him in a way that I wasn't expecting to either. Yeah, um, me too. And that was a character that kind of developed in talking in the editorial process because originally Carl was supposed to be more, more of a preppy character and more like, this is the way you do mm-hmm. things and more orderly. And it didn't seem to fit um, both with the experiences and the fact that we already had kind of had that character with Argus and didn't want to take anything away from him 
says, so I really had to re-examine the character and then like, well, how would you feel in this situation? How would being literally disposable and being told you're disposable and knowing that and never being able to go to a home where you weren't, how would that make you feel? And then the character just kind of all fell in place from that. Mm-hmm. Oh, very, very cool. I think, say personally, I think the psych, I love cat. I love cats mm-hmm. so much. Cats Their relationship wonderful. is so heartwarming if um the final page where they're flying up and having that really romantic kiss that made me cry happy tears that was so good so well i love that she's there for taylor every step of the way she doesn't she doesn't miss a beat she just keeps rolling on through she's like you're you're sending out a lot of information but i'm so here for it because your eyes are so pretty so let's just keep going (laughs) um but i think the character that surprised me the most not because I liked him, but I was so surprised with Buck. And I think mm-hmm. he's a very, very important character because he's that that window into a lot of people's realities. And you see, I, you do such a great job building up how close these two are. And I particularly like reading, going back and rereading it. I like more and more the scene where um, Taylor jumps to Buck's defense really early on in the locker room. And it's like, hey, listen, no, he's as much of us. He's as much one of the team as any of us. And he belongs with us. And then the moment that Taylor comes out, everything changes between those two. And to see that immediate hostility, it's sobering to know that this is one of those experiences that a lot of people are going to to click with. Because, yeah, that it happens more often than it should. And I think we don't often see it where a storyline like that happens and they take this right turn and then that doesn't go back and resolve the other way. Like I was expecting it to be like at the end of the story, it was like, you know what? I realized I was too harsh on you. That was rude of me. That was insensitive. And he would come back around. But that's the last time we see him is when he says the only body I would hide is yours. And then just storms off. And we so do I see want... him like peeking out the window at prom. All right. That one. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's there at homecoming. He gets to go in. Um, yeah. And as there was, there was some concern um, about having an ending where like those two make up or like the, the town comes around to mm-hmm. um, Taylor's side. And I didn't want to do that. Like I, I felt mm-hmm. like that would, would have rung false. Um, Cause Buck is based on, on an actual friend I had in high school. And um some of the reactions that I've gotten uh, when I came out, because I came out when I was 36. So mm-hmm. I never knew what that particular friend would have thought if I had come out because we are not in touch anymore, but mm-hmm. um, we probably would have gone something like, but, but it's uh yeah, it's, it's a weird relationship and it, and you can see Buck's point to a certain degree in that, mm-hmm he felt lied to and he felt like here was this big secret that was being kept from him, which is true. Um, But also like just because it was being kept from him doesn't mean that Taylor was able to tell it. And Mm -hmm. I think that's something that um, a lot of people who are in Buck's position don't realize at first. I like that. It's, it's such an important beat for that reason. And there's there's so many parts in here that I'm just I'm so glad actually made it through. And I think it's what separates this from so many other stories with transgender characters. It's just it's 
so perfectly authentic for better or for worse. <laughs> and I'm glad that it didn't have that like Disney ending where everyone makes up in the town's like, you know what? Shoot, we were wrong. Because right. as much as nice as it would be, I think it's important for people to realize that that doesn't happen. And, and that it doesn't matter. Like that yeah. was the the ending I, I fought for was like, these people are not going to accept Taylor, but it doesn't matter because there are people who do. Mm-hmm. And that's what's important. And like, that's what I wanted the message at the end it, for all the little queer babies reading it, which was that like, you don't need them as much as they think you do. And, mm-hmm. and you can find happiness without them. Um, and if they don't want you around, then that's all the better for you. Um, and so, yeah, I was glad that we got to have that ending and not have the town rallying around Taylor. Because I also mm-hmm. didn't want it to be something where it's like, because she saved the town from a meteor or whatever, yeah. now everyone respects her and understands her whole journey. And it's like, yeah, if you can only do this great heroic act, then people will be able to justify your existence in their community. And I didn't want that either. Um, So it's just her existing. And like, that's what people Mm -hmm. have a problem with. And that's how she wins by continuing to exist. Amen. Beautifully said. So yeah, that was one of the things I was going to ask Lexi is, was that, was it surprising to you that this was very much, like a, it felt like a superhero coming of age story, someone in the DC universe where we expect certain things, but there wasn't that threat that happened. Like we talk about the, um, I completely forget the name of the the alien. Was it the vein? The vein. There mm-hmm. we go. Um, where they, we talk about the vein the entire time, but they remain that threat off screen. Mm-hmm. And we talk about um, how she has these powers, but she never actually uses them. She has a moment where she comes close in her anger, but she never actually, you know, is like, okay, I'm Superman now. Was that surprising to you? And did you feel like the absence of that changed the story in one way or the other? I feel like I was surprised, but I feel like it was so refreshing. Like, I just have to say, like, I... I'm in the comics realm purely because of this podcast. (laughs) Like I grew up just like kind of reading books over the back of the couch of my brother. And I'm so used to superhero stories. Like I see them all the time. I read them all the time. And so to have a being that is capable of that and just not partake is like the best thing in the world. I was like, oh yes, this is so great. I was like, she's just she's just having her little teenage dream, kissing her girlfriend, having a good time. Like it just was so it was so refreshing and so sweet. And I feel like I I wouldn't have changed it in any way. I'm glad that the vein minded their business for at least this book, but so good. Yeah, because then the story changes, right? Once the vein shows exactly. up. Exactly. I'm like, okay, then it's a superhero story. And it's not about her anymore. It's about mm-hmm. them. And it's about mm-hmm. how she deals with them. And it's also like she needs to have that strength of identity and that strength of purpose without knowing if the vein are there or not. Exactly. And like the moment they're there, then Phil was right. And, and she shouldn't mm-hmm. have done anything. And so they had to be like referenced and like threatened that they couldn't actually show up in this book. So good. And that keeps it solely a queer coming of age story. Mm-hmm. Were there any like um, major coming of age stories that influenced 
um, you going into this? Any major things where you're like, I need this beat, I need this beat, or... Oh, I read a bunch of Coming of Age YA to prep for this. <laughs> uh, so yeah, no, I did a lot of things. And like, there is there is certain beats that are very common and that are important. Like, you know, you got to have the meet cute. You got to have this difficulty. You got to have this scene with the best friend. Like all of these things, like you read enough of them, you see the formula. Um, and But those things are there because they work. Um, and so... Absolutely, that was definitely in the in the mind of of me. I was about to say in the in the mind of the writer, which is me. Uh, <laughs> it was definitely in mind when I was writing this to kind of hit those YA beats um, so perfectly. I read a lot of Sarah Dessen books, um, mm-hmm. which are just a masterclass in how to do the summer that changed my life story because that's what she does, and each one is distinctive and different and beautiful but they're all the summer that changed my life and it's that's what she writes and she's brilliant at it she's the best a virtuoso (laughs) very very awesome i know i feel like i'm gonna need those that right that reading list you're gonna have to send me that (laughs) i would very much love the reading list too Mm -hmm. (laughs) always always in the mood for more cute things to read I do love yeah. books <laughs> granted they're all straight romances which is a yeah, minus right. but what can yeah. you do no one's perfect it's, no. it's true, it's true. <laughs> there's also i i picked up on the um the use of david bowie a lot and i wanted to ask if there was any any symbolism there or if that's just because you know david bowie's awesome well i mean yes number one <laughs> Uh, <laughs> got it in one but I'll, um it's twofold one is that um when you when i was writing this i was like well what was i like at a teenager what did i like as a teenager um and one thing i was really into as a teenager was david bowie and also particularly 1970s david bowie um which he had like left three personas ago by the time <laughs> i was a teenager but it was it was so it was like a unearthing this artifact of a performer that I had an image of and then to see this, which was very different and very queer and very um, celebratory in that queerness and in that whole gender fuckery and all of that stuff. And so to have that be a touchstone of this book and to mirror those themes of, of queer celebration, then it was a no brainer. Like I considered, um, using a more modern artist like Janelle Monet, who has those similar themes and it wouldn't have changed anything, but mm-hmm. I liked how timeless it made um, it to reference these, this, um, you know, 50 year old album. Uh, <laughs> it always irritates me whenever I read something about teenagers and they're like, I'm really into the music of my parents, which is <laughs> never true. Um, but like, so with this being not even the music of their parents, but like even older than that, Mm -hmm. um, it just really, it felt okay in that way. And it felt less annoying. (laughs) I don't know if I, it was maybe someone else reading it was also like, this is just like when someone talks about how much they love eighties culture and they're 15. Um, I hope it is not. (laughs) <laughs> to to me it didn't. I have I've been no, rocking out to 
<laughs> I've been rocking out the Suffragette City since I read the books. Right. I mean, that's the other thing is like that music is so good. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's it's no one denies that seventies Bowie was is top notch. So to have that in there is like it's not me trying to shoehorn um, one of my favorite bands like Reverend Glassline mm-hmm. and his legs. It's like ah, oh, the kids love. Basically, uh, 19th century carnival burker music in a (laughs) modern revamped. That's what kids are into these days. That's true. That's all all they talk about on the TikToks. Right. Um, Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Although my dad doesn't say Tic Tac. Like, Dad is not Tic Tacs, but thank you. (laughs) Oh my gosh. This. Sorry, I was looking through my list of questions. <laughs> who I was going to talk about next. <laughs> I think just to, we'll talk about it a little bit because I still want to get um, Jess on and see if we can talk to them for their own episode because I feel like the art of this book oh, yeah. has been Beautiful. another hour alone talking about. But it's just, it's one of the most vivid and vibrant books I've read this year. And it's... it's yeah, they're amazing. <laughs> they're so an beautiful. absolute wizard. Just incredible. I was, I was purple. So bad. <laughs> I wish I was. I wish it's like purple. this shade of purple specifically, yes. so with the constellations for the makeup. Yes. That was on point. This is listeners out there. There's no way I can describe Jess Taylor's art to you. That's going to do it any sort of justice. I don't have the words in the English language. Yeah, and go, um, just go look at the book. It's amazing. You gotta mm-hmm. Go look at this book. Every single um, splash or full page just takes my breath away and is so so perfect it's ingrained in my mind the the image where taylor's jumping off stage for the first time this scene when she sees herself in the mirror the flying scene at the end it's all just just did such a great job and that must have been so amazing to get to work with them yeah it was uh i'm so i'm so glad to have had them on this project it's uh, to do this book and to have a trans creative team was Mm -hmm. a dream come true oh yeah um to have a queer creative team, Dream Come True, and like Ariana Moner, who lettered it, is queer. So that was another wonderful thing. Um, and she did an amazing job with the lettering. So it's like just um, the people that helped make this book happen have been so incredibly talented and so amazing. Mm-hmm. And Jess, number one with a bullet, just makes this book so... Like I flatter myself and I say, it's not like anything else. And then Jess allows me to say that because it isn't like anything else because of their work. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just incredible. Oh, absolutely. Lexi, I have to pass it over to you. Give me, give me your top moments of this book in terms of oh, art. Lord. Funny, sad, such a hard beautiful. Uh, number one is when they went dress shopping with Kat's mom. Kath mom's a bad bitch. I forgot to mention her earlier. Can't remember her name, which makes me feel like a villain, but like, love her. Love, love her. Kath's mom. Oh, she was almost mom. cut. She was almost <gasps> cut. And, well, I'm and glad she wasn't. But like, <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like, I love, I love characters and I mm-hmm. always make mm-hmm. too many. And an editor is like, we have to cut down these characters. This is too many. And like, I they're know. always right. <laughs> And so they're like, what if we cut Kat's mom? And I was like, what if we cut someone else? Let's yeah, cut someone else. Do that? <laughs> and we did. And it's like, oh, this is actually great. Um, so yeah, Taylor's family used to be a lot larger. And we, we cut oh. two people out of that 
in order to save Cat's mom. Cat's and I mom. Was, well, thank you. <laughs> and it was worth it. It was worth it. Very much so. Yeah. Love the the homecoming dress shopping. The dresses were all so pretty. The dresses. Ah, oh, I mean, kind of an ode back to the prince and the dressmaker. Everybody knows how much I love dresses. So we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> I love those bitches. The um, lesbian yeah, dress. I sent, just- I sent Jess so many clothing photos. <sighs> Yeah, uh, I which mean, they just, appreciated, thankfully. Oh, like, I know yeah. some not every artist likes this when you do this, but thankfully, Jess was into it because I saw yeah. so many. Like, this is what Kat's wearing in this scene. This is what um, Taylor's wearing. These are the dresses that they try on. This is um, this is what she wears to the party and like all of this stuff. So, uh, I'm glad you liked all that because I yeah, all of her outfits actually were stunning. Mm-hmm. So that that was so fun. Um, loved the party, like the first bonfire, little karaoke moment. That was very fun. Um, what else? Um, Say what you think of something else. I'm thinking yes. about the bonfire moment. One of my favorite artistic moments in the whole thing. It's just such – I love faces and when faces – so perfectly tell you exactly what the character is thinking right after Buck insults Taylor and Taylor's standing right there and she just has that look of are you are you kidding me right now you said what and that was um that's one of my favorite faces the the other favorite face is after um Taylor throws the rock through the window yes. <laughs> her and Argus like well oh, no. gotta go <laughs> already deleted the last 30 seconds let's go <laughs> so we knew Argus was actually a homie yeah <laughs> Argus is a real one. Yeah. Um, oh, our, I just love any of the times that Argus would take his unintentional naps. And then he was like, I actually recorded everything. It's like, no, <laughs> I don't think you actually did. <laughs> you were taking a nap. <laughs> Loved that. <laughs> See, you're full of hollow threats and lies. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you little fluffy monster. Little axolotl corgi. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite picture is actually not of Taylor in the book. It's actually of Kat and it's when she rolls up at homecoming and is like leaning against a car and is like, Hey galaxy. And it's like, why would you not fall in love with this person immediately? Like there's nothing there. That's not like, yes, Mm -hmm. this is, this is everything I could possibly want in a girlfriend and just nailed that. And it's one of my favorite bits in the whole book. Oh, that's so, so beautiful. Mm -hmm. And just talk about the the colors for a second. I love just how vibrant the backgrounds are, just how um, beautiful it is to look at. But I love the subtle queer colors in this. Like so much of what Taylor wears has lesbian um, pride colors. There's just a lot of her own personal design has a lot of the like trans flag mixed in there. And I thought that was so clever. That was so creative. And I'm almost... Like, I know that Taylor is a character that exists in the, the canonical DC universe and that she will show up again at some point. Yep. But I'm almost scared to see her in the hands of another artist because I'm like, this is everything that Jess did is so iconic in this book. I'm interested to see how it translates into another artist's hands, but I'm also like, I'm kind of terrified at the same time, just hoping they can match up to that. Well, I can't tell you who's drawing Taylor next or the book that she's going to appear in. Or even what she looks like, because I haven't seen the design yet. Um, but I do know that I trust this artist very much. So okay, oh, that is good to know. 
Good to know. You heard it here I first, like folks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, she's going to show up one more place um, that is planned. Um, and uh, the artist doing it is incredible. So, like, we'll be fine. Good. Good to know. But it I will like... be neat to see because they do have a different style than mm-hmm. Jess does. So it'll be neat to see what mm. how they choose to do it. And I'm I'm looking forward to that. Very excited. I love it when I have an anxiety I can put to bed really early. It's <laughs> always fantastic. We don't need to keep those around any longer than absolutely necessary. So I have just um, one or two more questions before we can get into some of the um, the viewer questions that people have sent us in. So I'm going to pass it over to you first, Lexi. Do you have anything else that you would like to ask our lovely co-host or any more points about the story you'd like to bring up for conversation? Oh, goodness. Um, I had one and then it left me. Um, no, I do have. If you could have made Argus into any other animal, what would it have been? Oh, no, I, there was no other animal. There was Ever? none. <laughs> no, because like the corgi was so perfect. Like I needed an I animal that is like bossy and small. Yep. And like that's that's a corgi. <laughs> that and is a like, corgi. Like they're herding dogs. They're very territorial and mm-hmm. and personable like a friend of mine had a corgi and when their um son was born like the corgi was like okay a new a new cub has entered the pack i will protect him with my life and wouldn't (laughs) let anyone come near who was not family and so people would come over to see the baby and the corgi would be like no no you back away you back away (laughs) they had to put the corgi in a pen whenever anyone came to see the baby so like it was always going to. I can't even imagine another animal, yeah. Um, that I guess would be. No, it's, it was always going to be a corgi, and that is his purest form. And if we we ever get a sequel, like I have a, min, a jillion plans for future books, uh, <laughs> none of which are greenlit. So who knows uh, what will happen? But if we ever get a sequel where they were, he meets more of. The these bodyguard protector recorder devices, um, he will always be a corgi, even in the face of whatever they are. I love that. I love that so much. He's just I I can confidently say I think he's my second favorite character <laughs> after Galaxy. Yeah. He's great. He's great. Uh, I love talking animals in fiction in general, and mm-hmm. um, so. He got a lot of attention from me because I love I those love characters. Okay. Uh, say if nothing else sells you on this book, then talking Corgi should be enough. Mm-hmm. Listen, if, if we say talking Corgi and you're not rushing to the store to pick this book up, there's there's no help for you, honestly. You might be broken. Um, we can send you like some scotch tape or something. Try to fix yourself up. <laughs> be a better person. Go out there. Do something. Um, That's like a corgi. He's not actually a corgi. He's not actually. See, if you don't like corgis, he's not actually a corgi. So, like, I don't know what else to tell you. (laughs) We're giving you everything here. There's nothing we (laughs) got left. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My last question for you before we get into the viewer questions is, I know you're currently working on another DC project, and it's a... if I can talk, it's an encyclopedia about LGBTQ characters from DC Comics. Is there anything you can tell us about that project or when to expect it, just so people know to keep an eye out? Yeah, I can tell you a lot. It's the DC yeah. Book of Pride. Um, 
Encyclopedia is probably a bit of a misnomer because there's mm. only 57 entries. There are hundreds of queer characters in the DCU. I would love to do a proper encyclopedia about all of them. Um, and who knows, maybe I'll get a chance if this one is very successful. This is more of like um, kind of a an introduction to these mm -hmm. characters. And it's aimed at um, middle grade, which is great. Um, so it's not like the deep dive I know some people were hoping for <laughs> into this. It's uh, more of like, here's who they are, here's what they do, here's the salient parts of their history, um, which was a bit of a nut to and crack with some of them because continuity is a mess mm -hmm. in general. Um, but with these characters, most of all, because like so many, with the exception of like Galaxy, obviously, and Batwoman and Midnighter and such like there's they're not leads like there's very few queer characters who are leads and because of that their their stories are told like adjacent to the main one mm -hmm. and so you will see maybe a cute little scene where they will interact with someone and then there will be the big summer crossover event and so six months later we'll catch up with them and oh that person they're having a cute scene with, they're moving in together now. And we missed like this whole romance because we were <laughs> focusing on someone else. Um, and so there's a lot of like detective work I had to do as far as like connecting the dots and putting these characters stories together. Uh, but it was a lot of fun. And the book is just beautiful. And it's really incredible to see all these characters together to show the breadth of um, the queer characters in the DCU. Um, and that, like there's, I got some obscure ones in there, which made me very happy. Um, I got some ones that everyone's expecting to be in there. Mm -hmm. um, like it's no spoiler to say that Har Harley and Ivy were in there. Um, though they almost weren't because there was a question about whether it should just be heroes or not. And I was like, no, no, there's too mm -hmm. many cool queer villains to just be heroes. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I can't list everybody who's in there, obviously, because that, that's still in flux actually. So, um, we'll see who finally makes the cut. Uh, but the book is, as it's written now is, is great. Like it's a really wonderful introduction to these characters and who they are and what they do and why they're important. And to be able to put all that down and be like, this character um, did this thing and they're also gay. Isn't that great? It's <laughs> like, yeah, it is. It's wonderful. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I love the book. It's beautiful. And um, there is a galaxy entry, <laughs> of course. <laughs> I know there was, there was some question about that. It's like, I'm writing it. Of course there's a galaxy entry. <laughs> first thing I did when they were like, what characters do you want to include? It's like galaxy in the top. Um, did I weight it toward trans characters? Absolutely. I did <laughs> Tried to get as many as I could. Um, so, you know, I'm not, I'm not perfect. I have my biases, mm -hmm. uh, but it's, it's, it's a really interesting, like it was a really interesting thing to research. It's a really interesting thing to look at. I wish we could have included more is my only mm -hmm. regret because um, there are so many characters whose stories aren't told in this book who deserve to be. And, and that's just like, they only wanted a book so big. 
And they didn't want to do like all 200 or whatever queer characters, which I would have been happy to do, but mm-hmm. that was not the vision that they had. But it's going to be a beautiful book. If you saw the um, Brave and the Bold like coffee table book they did about all of DC's female characters or like the most important female characters, it's going to be like that. Um, so it's going to be big and colorful and beautiful. Mm-hmm. The art they've chosen for each character is great. And it's just a, it's a magnificent book and uh, it's coming out next May. So it'll be out in time for pride mm-hmm. and it'll be uh, great. And I'll be happy to come back on this show then and talk about it in we greater can... detail. Cause there's a lot in there that I just love and would love to talk about. We would love that. That'd be well, so cool. Of course we're going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I, these like um just like the visual dictionary like coffee table style books they're very important to me because that's how i got into comics to begin with because we got my cousin my dork cousin the spider-man visual dictionary when he was like five years old and i'm like what is this nonsense and i open it and i never put it down <laughs> and we actually had to buy him another copy because i read our copy to death and it's like we can't give him this this is used <laughs> so that's how i got into comics and i hope that people finding this will find some pretty cool characters to get invested in. And, you know, with characters like Batwoman and Galaxy and Dreamer, it's going to be hard not to. So, yeah. Yeah. There's some great, there's some great characters. Um, and I, I, I love all the ones that we got to talk about. Um, mm-hmm. And I, as I said, there's so many more that we, I hope, my hope is that this is so popular. We do a volume two of more obscure characters, which should be a delight. Cause I love obscure characters in general. Like that's my bread and butter. So. Oh yeah. To dig to dig deep into those all the ones we didn't include because we have to include Batwoman, we have to include mm-hmm. Aquaman, we have to include um, Midnighter and Apollo, like all these big name characters. Of course, we're going to include them, and of course, they deserve a slot. But like, what about the weirdos? Why don't we <laughs> let's put those guys in there? Oh, we need more weirdos. With all that said. Um, we are going to switch over. Lexi, do you want to read the first two of the viewer questions sent in? Dallas sent me a third one not too oh, long ago. Absolutely. So I think I've got Dan and Joe. Is that the two yep. you mean? And Perfect. I have Owen. So <gasps> Is it Owen that likes comics or Owen that doesn't like comics? <laughs> it, does, it does not say. It is oh, just no. Owen. We have two <laughs> Owen friends, and one of them is Owen likes comics on Twitter, and so that's how he signs his stuff. And then our new friend Owen says, "I'm Owen that doesn't like comics." It's hilarious. <laughs> it's the funniest thing I've ever read. <laughs> I was like, Owen, I want to be your best friend. But um, okay, so first question I have from Dan. Um, it says, "Hi everyone. Hope you are having a fantastic week." This is one of my favorite books this year, and I can't express enough how exciting it is that you're covering it on the podcast. This book gave me a window into the experiences of the trans community in a book that's both full of incredibly emotional writing and beautiful artwork. Do you think that more books like Galaxy, The Prettiest Star, should be used to give people a better understanding of the experiences of communities that they're unfamiliar with? Um. Which moments from the book hit you the hardest or resonated with you the most? And for Jadzia, was oh, what was the toughest part of writing or getting this book out? Were there any complications along the way? Take care, y'all. Dan. P.S. Trans rights are human rights. Yes, Dan. Amen. I love him. <laughs> okay, so kind of to reiterate, um, 
First question, do you think that more books like Galaxy should be used to give a better understanding for different communities and experiences? Thoughts? Well, I'm going to, that one I feel like is definitely yes. I think one of the coolest things about um, media in general is just giving you an insight to the lived experiences of another person. And I think going back, (laughs) I always think about my high school English teacher who ingrained in me the definition of literature, which is the sincere representation of a view of life expressed in appropriate and memorable terms. If you're not giving me a sincere representation of your personal experiences, then I'm not interested in what you're writing. And I think that having a broader perspective on everything just makes us more understanding and empathetic people. And I think that's the coolest thing about media. If you don't agree, then I'm going to fight you. That's all I have to say. Amen. Preach. (laughs) Couldn't have said it better myself. Um, But no, I agree. I feel like there needs to be more books like this that can educate people like myself, like I mentioned earlier. Like this was such an eye-opening experience for me. And Mm -hmm. I want more like this so that they can be used as teaching tools. I think that's an amazing opportunity that needs to happen. It needs to happen, people. Any thoughts, Jadzia? Uh, It's a weird kind of question um, because Mm -hmm. I'm not sure what they mean by like galaxy, right? Like, do they mean using the sci-fi rigmarole for the trans metaphor? Do they mean like, because I don't know if that would work with every sort of um, marginalized identity that we're trying mm-hmm. to talk about. And uh, I was threading a needle very finely to make it work here without being one of those stories that I don't like where it's a sci-fi metaphor for trans person and they're not actually mm-hmm. trans. Um, and it was very important for me writing this that like, yes, there was all the sci-fi rigmarole so that um, we can talk about this without getting bogged down in specifically what does it mean to be a trans feminine teenager. Um, but also it was important for me that she was actually trans the whole time mm-hmm. in addition. So like, yes, she was secretly an alien, but also she's someone who went through male puberty and is now a girl because that's who she is. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know how you could do that without being weird. <laughs> and some might say, <laughs> I didn't even do that. And that's yeah. fair. Um, with another identity. At the same time, you know, there's stuff that like Zootopia, which is a Disney film for crying out loud, that talks about, um, you know, racial profiling and microaggressions, which is, I did not think that was ever going to happen. And here we are and does it in a very cute and fun way. I think, um, I think like sort of, if they mean in the sense that like, this book is about being trans and it talks about being trans in a very direct way in both um, a celebratory way, but also, you know, not glossing over the difficulties, then yes, absolutely. And there are books like that and there should be more. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and there should be more that are about transness. Frankly, this should not be the only one that does this. Um, and there aren't like, it isn't. I mean, there are other books that do this and do this very well. Um, this is the only one published by DC Comics, which gives it a certain cachet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know. I'm not sure exactly what they're asking, but I will agree with you that yes, it should. More of them should exist. Yeah. 
Absolutely. You, you got the X-Men quaking in their boots, though. Where they're like, what do you mean you need actual representation with your metaphors? What are you talking about? Someone? I'm going to go crazy here. But yeah. Yeah. What was the um, the second question, Lexi? Well, the second question was, which moments from the book hit you the hardest or resonated with you the most? Mm. See... That's the hard one for me because it's basically just all of it. The um, entire book. <laughs> the entire. I will say, though, just talking about some of the smaller moments, because a lot of the big ones do stand out. Just like those those moments where you're like, you embrace who you are for the first time. You feel like you can punch holes in the sky. That's so relatable. But I think the moment that's so goofy when she's trying on clothes that she picked out for herself for the first time. She's like, do these really fit me, my body? No but it's a good first start. And she does the finger guns in the mirror. I'm like, that's such a goddamn mood. <laughs> that's been me and my fashion sense for the last year and a half. So yeah, we're, we're getting there finally. But I'm like, I feel you, girl. I, I so get you. I love the way that Jess drew that scene. Mm -hmm. I love the, so like, the finger gun. Like, it was just like a casual thing in the script of like, and does the finger guns. But to me, it like crystallized the character in a way mm -hmm. that if cross your fingers, we get a sequel, the finger guns are going to be very important. Cause like, <laughs> <laughs> it just was like, yeah, that's her. Like that, that element of goofiness is like so important to who galaxy is and props to Jess for like highlighting that in a, in a delightful way. That was really so funny. Um, one of my favorite moments, actually, that I didn't get – I kind of forgot about till just now um, was the moment where Galaxy basically told Phil to, like, F off. <laughs> like, yeah. I coincidentally, like, as a daughter who has a very opinionated father, I had that moment, like, two, three weeks ago where I – my dad had something to say, and I was like, listen here, buckaroo, I am 22 years old, and if I don't ask for your opinion, I don't want it. And he was like, hmm, well, okay, all right then. And I will say it was better received than some fathers, I'm sure, in the world, but I felt very seen by that moment. I was like, oh, yes, Galaxy, you tell him. You lay his ass out on the line and you tell him, because it, felt, it feels good. That's, that stuff feels good, telling someone to... Mm -hmm. Get out of here. Scram. Yeah. And that has, you know, probably the best line in the whole thing. Just being normal was never going to save me. Exactly. And that's her, um, with great power comes great responsibility or yeah. good is not something you are. It's something you do. Like that's mm -hmm. her little superhero thing. Uh, perfect. It. Thank it was you. so good. Okay. And then there was one more question specifically for you, mm -hmm. um, Jadia. That was, what was the toughest part of writing or getting this book out? Were there complications along the way? Writing, this is the easiest thing I've ever written. Like it yeah. all flowed out. Like it was something that had to exist. And I was just there to ha make it happen. Like I, I have had trouble writing other stuff. And like none of that was here. It was just so smooth. Um, the hardest part about it, though, is now it's out. And everyone gets excited about it, which means I get excited about it. And I'm like, well, now I want to write more galaxy stories. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm excited about it again because I finished this script like a year and a half ago. Like it's old news. 
<laughs> and then everyone gets excited and like, oh, well, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do some more Galaxy stuff. I'm ready. But publishing moves very slow. Mm-hmm. So, um, but DC really is behind this book in a lot of ways that has really impressed me and I was not expecting. And um, so I, I cannot say if there's going to be a sequel, um, but... Uh, I'm happy to write one if in, it happens. We are going to keep pushing this book until it does. <laughs> if we have to <laughs> pull this out of out of the earth ourselves, we will. We'll, we'll make it happen. <laughs> which I appreciate. I mean, you were a fan of the book before it was even released, which was amazing. And thank you for talking it up when yeah. there was nothing to say about it, which is incredible. <laughs> We had like a cover and you were going yep, on and I, on. I knew we got a, we got a bat for it. So that I'm, I'm like, this book better be good. I have a really good feeling about it, but this book better be good. I'm staking everything on it. And fortunately it was, I just, you know, just know how to call them, I guess. So <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. Happy to do it. Oh, as soon as Lexi's done dying. Don't worry. I'm good. I'm just, I'm healing from a cold, everybody. I'm on my way out. Um, Okay. The next question we've got um, is from Joe. And it says, hi, all. So excited to hear this episode, especially when you announced that Jazia would be joining you as well, since Galaxy was one of the best books I've read this year. Um, Seems like an ongoing theme. Yeah. (laughs) Because it's wonderful. Um, Okay. First question specific for you, Jazia. Um, how long roughly did it take for the book to be put together as an OGN? It must have been in the works for a while. So I can't imagine how it must have felt finally getting to share it with the world earlier this year. Also, how did you um, how did both you and Jess Taylor join the project? Were you put together or had you met each other separately beforehand? Secondly, to the collective in general. I know you've already covered and talked about lots of LGBTQ plus books on the show, but what are some of your other favorites you've read this year? Recent, recently, I loved the spotlight on Daisy and her new girlfriend in Giant Days, Volume 5. That was such a good one. Um, in general, simply such a delightful series. Personally, I also love You, um, you Brought Me, The Ocean, another DC YA book. Mamo from the Boom. Oh, from Boom. Box. Bloom from first, second books, as well as anything with Wiccan and Hulkling and the Young Avengers. I love both mm-hmm. their both their runs, and it's always great when they're around. All the best, Joe. Oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so kind of to reiterate a yeah. little bit. Well, was, remind me of the question. Was, I've yeah, already your forgotten. first question from Joe was... Um, Roughly, how long did it take for the book to be put together? Well, um, some of this is the pandemic, right? Because it happened mm-hmm. um, during the production of the book and pushed everything around. But f- I pitched it five years before it came out, uh, which wow. is, a, yeah, a long time. Um, it was a long time coming. Um, and because of the pandemic, it like kept getting pushed back. Like it was supposed to come out in um 2020 and I'm actually glad it didn't mm-hmm. for all the reasons um and then it was supposed to come out in 2021 and didn't and finally I think 
it came out in 2022. I think it was the last it could be moved back because there was a lot of effort made to make sure that it came out mm-hmm. in the printers on time and everything. Um, so I don't think every graphic novel goes through that process, but it is a long process anyway. Like this is something that requires a lot of hands and a lot of attention from a lot of different people. So it's a very involved um, and like uh, individual issue stuff like that's takes months and months and months. So it's not surprising that this also takes such a long time because you're, you're dealing with an even longer story than 22 pages. Um, so yeah, it was a while. Um, and so it was weird too, because like my part was done, um, years ago, (laughs) like I was brought in to like do a lettering pass and make sure that the script fits, uh, just as pages and tweaking things as necessary. Like a lot of little stuff is like, I think we should say crimson instead of red here. I'm like, that sounds great, Sarah. Let's do that. Whatever. Um, little bits like that, which don't really matter to me, but like, make the thing as a whole better. And like, I see where all of this is coming from. And that's great. Um, but my, the important thing that I was doing, which is the script was done a long time ago. And like, I think by the time Jess had come on and this was just the nature of the pandemic and the way things worked out, like the script was already done, um, which is not originally how they wanted to do it. And not, as I understand it, standard graphic novel procedure where they do it in chunks and then the script is approved and then the artist works on it. And then they do an- another chunk of script and then the artist works on it. So they're all, the artist can start early-ish. Um, but Jess was able to have the script complete and see the whole story that way, which I, I think was great um, for them and gave them an idea of the book in a much more well- well-rounded way than um, if it had just been like the first chunk. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, these things take forever. Uh, (laughs) Writing a book takes forever. Drawing a book takes forever. So to Mm -hmm. add that where you're writing and then you hand it off to someone to draw it takes double forever. And it's just a long time. Uh, worth it, but like, poof, um, it was a long time. Well, we're glad it finally got here to all of (laughs) us. Um, and so part two of your question, um, how did both you and Jess Taylor join the project? Were you put together or had you met each other separately beforehand? We had never met before. Um, We'd never worked on it with each other before. I did not know anything about them until Sarah Miller, the editor, gave me a link to their website. And she was like, I'm thinking about this person for the artist. And I looked at it. I was like, yes, yes. (laughs) They are who I want. Please. (laughs) Please have them say yes. Um, It's interesting. It's brought up um, you brought me the ocean, um, which is by Jewel Moreau, and Jewel Moreau was actually an early consideration to as an artist for this. It would oh. have been a very different book if they had done it, um, but they were busy. Um, so then it went to Jess, which is great because Jess is amazing and the perfect person to do this book. So like mm-hmm. we lucked out, um, and. Uh, but yeah, that's how that happened. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. And I work with them again in a heartbeat because they're amazing on, on a Galaxy sequel for sure. But anything, anything, anything. 
We'll cross our fingers that that gets to happen. Love that. (laughs) Okay. And then I'll pass this one to Anne specifically. Mm -hmm. Um, I know we've covered a lot of LGBTQ plus books, especially we had our whole month of it where we coincidentally talked about an entire book without mentioning once its theme. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe that we did that. It's the best episode we've ever done, but forgot to mention that it was a bisexual book. Yeah, <laughs> Jazzy, yeah, just for just for reference, we talked about Wonder Woman Earth One because okay. we're like, it'd be so cool if we did the four, like the five weeks of June, just like LGBTQ. And we're like, the B book is Wonder Woman Earth One. And then we talked about the entire way through, finished the episode. And, just sat and then and just I like, go, wait, did we ever mention that this was a bisexual book? And then all of us are like, no. Shoot. <laughs> It's what great. happens when you get too caught up in the themes of things. It just was such a good book. It just but had so much going on. It's uh, like, you know, books we haven't talked about before that are really, really great queer books. I just finished, or at least I caught up on what's going on in Black Magic right now, which is, you know, about witches. And, you know, she's also, she's a detective, but she's also a witch, so that kind of makes up for it. Um, that's a really All great cops one. Cops are bastards, Anne. Even the witches won. Even the witches. Even the witches. Oh, but all cops are bastards. I can fix her. (laughs) No. (laughs) Um, that one's that one's a really really good book. Um, they mentioned Mamo, which I've been loving recently. Um, let me take a look at my shelf. (laughs) There's anything (laughs) that's poking out to me at the moment. I'm like. Oh, everyone! I keep pitching it. Gender queer. Everyone should read Gender Queer because it's making all the right people clutch their pearls, and it's a wonderful <laughs> book. So definitely take a look at that. Um, gotta gotta refocus for a second. <laughs> I got some. I got some. You please, yeah. absolutely. Um, the one I always think about because there's so many similarities, but also differences. Um, between the two books is Cheer Up, Love and Pom Poms yes. by Crystal Fraser and mm-hmm. Val Wise. And we were talking about um, YA stories and it's because that is a, a something that has tropes in it and certain elements. It was so fun to read this and see uh, how their trans coming of age story is both different and similar to my trans coming of age mm-hmm. story. And the ways they reflect each other was just delightful. So everyone needs to, if you like Galaxy, you should pick that up. And if you like Cheer Up, you should pick up Galaxy. Second they are oh, yeah. complimentary. Um, <laughs> you talking about how bisexual Wonder Woman Year One is reminded me of my friend, uh, Colleen A.F. Fenable's book, uh, Kiss Number Eight, which she did with, where's the artist? I had this, the artist is great. Um, Ellen Crenshaw, here we go. That book is wonderful um, about, again, that um, YA, day, YA coming of age, um, mm-hmm. but doing it through a more uh, queer focused and specifically bisexual lens, which was really, really great. And um, uh, one last one that I finally read this year after, um, meaning to forever is uh oh come on i don't want to get the artist's name wrong because i always forget the artist there we go 
Uh, I always think of the writers and not the artists because I'm a horrible person. Um, but uh, Girl Haven by Lila Sturges and Megan Carter, which I love. Um, and it's a younger um, version of the trans coming of age story and very much a, a middle schooler kind of take on that, but uses the same sort of like fantasy rigmarole that I played in with Galaxy. So if you like Galaxy, you should read those books. And if you like those books, you should read Galaxy. That is what I have to say. Oh, yeah. Oh, Love and Pom Poms and um, Girl Haven. I've read both of them. They're both so fantastic. Um, they're they're beautiful books. And I tell you, I'm about to dive into The Infinite Loop, which I've heard really good things about, but I haven't actually gone through it yet. So that one might also be worth looking into. Was that the, the last part of that question or was there another one? Yep, that was it. That was it. Okay, we have one final viewer question. And this one is from Owen. Um, I'm going to say Owen Lukewarm on comics because they do not specify. <laughs> um, hello again, members of the Comics Collective Podcast. First off, I want to mention how awesome it is that you cover in Galaxy of the Pretty Star. Oh, this is so familiar as it's one of the best books to have been released this year. We got Tic Tac Toe. I love, I love this audience. Um, this has been. We are all wonderful. your number one fan. Yeah, it's been great. <laughs> and to also have on Jack Jadzia Axelrod, the writer of Galaxy. Um, oh, sorry, Miss. And to also have Jadzia Axelrod, the writer of Galaxy, on as a guest this episode too. Absolutely incredible. So my question is: If we got a Galaxy sequel, what would the premise of the book be, and which character from the greater DC universe would you most want to see Galaxy meet up and team up with? Thanks, Owen. I mean, I Period. can't really say because, like, mm -hmm. it hopefully is going to happen, and I don't right. want to. Um, so I will be incredibly vague. And say, well, I mean, there's stuff if you read, if you read Galaxy, you can see where it's going. Like, Cat mm -hmm. is from Metropolis. They are likely going to go to Metropolis at some point. There are certain superheroes in Metropolis um, that we talk about in this. Um, I will say that one character that got cut from the original book from Pretty Star was Ma Hunkel. I desperately wanted the original Red Tornado to be mm -hmm. in this like with a passion and I was talked out of it by my very good editor. Again, this is too many characters. She, <laughs> and it was like, she says like, this is adding nothing to the story, having Mahunkle in there and like, no, no, I'll prove it. I'll take her out and we'll lead her in there. And then I took her out as like, Nope, you're right. The story's fine without her. <laughs> just wanted to, just wanted to have her in. Um, oh. So like, Obviously, Mahangal is number one with the bullet who I would want mm -hmm. uh, training Galaxy to be a superhero. We'll see if that ever happens. Um, yeah. But yeah, I can't talk. I do have I do have the sequel like already and outlined should anyone ask for it. Um, and I have future books in notes uh, planned. So like there's a lot of people in the DC universe she could and will meet. There's a lot of places she could and will go um, that I can't say. Uh, but know that I have been thinking about this a lot and have have answers to all of those questions. I'm interested in your two answers, who you would like to see. Ooh. See, Anne, you go first. <laughs> now I'm just thinking about every time you mentioned Ma Hunkle would be so perfect. I love the idea of a good, like, Mama Bear Ma Hunkle. She's, yes. like, the character I'd most like to give a hug in DC Comics. Absolutely. And, like, 
she the reason she hasn't worked in modern audiences is twofold. Is one, they keep trying to make her a joke, and like mm -hmm. Ma Uncle herself isn't funny. The her audacity is funny, <laughs> and like the fact that a woman would do all these kind of things and not take any shit. That's funny. And oh like, yeah, that's what people forget. Um, so she has to be made the butt of the joke all the time. And the other thing is she's so gay. She's like oh, every yeah. woman I've seen like that has always been this like full tilt diesel dyke. And like, I love that for her. Like I want her to claim that. I want her to be like, yes, Leah Delaria should play her in the adaption because mm -hmm. there's no one else. This is perfect. And like, that is um, just such a, she's such a brilliant character. I love those old Scribbly comics and oh, yeah. inclusion most of all. And I would want nothing more than to bring her to modern audiences as just a full dyke. And yeah. we'll see if I ever get that chance. <laughs> I just I just had to send Lexi um a picture because I'm shit. What what do you think? I agree completely. Please bring <laughs> this character into comics that I can read mm -hmm. now. She's the first DC's female superhero. Like she predates Wonder Woman. I love she that. She never gets the respect she's owed. What? This is beautiful. Beautiful. <sighs> you know. There's there's the Mahunkle, the there's the second, Superman. It's like there's what what sorry. She's the second female superhero total. Like there's another one uh, <laughs> that beats her. Um and like she's the she's she's just like so perfect and immaculate. And I love her. And I just want her to come out in her short hair and be <laughs> big and gay and delightful <laughs> and crotchety and like everything everything that she is and just clobber people with her fists oh. uh, and wear a pot on her head as a helmet. Like all of these things are just beautiful to me. And Fashion icon. Yes. Like the only yeah. thing better than Ma Hunkle meeting Galaxy would be to just do a Ma Hunkle ongoing. Oh yeah. And that, mm -hmm. and just to have that happen for me personally. I would pay so much money. Pay so much money. Take all of our money, please. <laughs> I feel like Ma Hunkle and Superman, those are the obvious two for me now. But I've been thinking ever since the Pride issue came out about that pinup of just her and Dreamer together. Oh. And, you know, that's that's also my my like my it makes my heart go dookie dookie. I'm like, yes, please, thank you, my favorites. Seeing them together means a lot because it's like game one trans character on page. That's hard enough. Game two at the same time, damn. Let's go for it. So yeah, I love that DC is not afraid to have more than one trans character. That's mm -hmm. delightful to me, um, and that they get to occupy similar spaces is really great. Oh yeah, um, yeah. I mean, all I want is a team up between her Dreamer and Alicia Yo, and yes. that's my new Birds of Prey that hell yeah no one has taken me up on yet dc but like <laughs> it's i'm right here i'm right here oh lexi do you have any characters you'd like to see galaxy team up with well i mean we mentioned tv starfire earlier and the chokehold that that teen titan show had on me when i was like six <laughs> is ridiculous it's so good i if we could just put galaxy in that tv show It'd be beautiful. I want her I, to be best friends with all of them. I've been rewatching that show with my daughter, and it's so it. good. It it's still so good. holds up. 
I should rewatch it because I was very small when I watched it for the first time. Would you believe me if I said I've never seen it? Shut up. It's a treat. <laughs> it's a treat. It's on HBO Max. It's a treat. Is it on HBO? <gasps> well, there goes my rest of my Sunday afternoon. <laughs> I will. I'm going to check it out. That and the original Justice League shows. I still have to jump oh. on that. I'm so far behind yeah. when it comes to. I know, to- I know, but like, I love that show so much, <laughs> and it's such a cornerstone of my fandom in so many ways. Like, I, um, I'm an old woman, so I was into comics way before that show started. But it's such. I was so into that show. I have so many toys from it. I, I think you can see some. No, you can't. But like, they're all up there. Because oh, um, they're so beautiful. It's a beautifully designed show. And when the toys came out, I was like, it looks just like the show, which is beautiful. I want them all. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, so yeah, I would get that Aquaman, but you know, no shirt. So I can't, it's no go. There's two Aquaman. Because he had a shirt when he was in the Superman show. So you could get a Justice League style shirted Aquaman toy. Shoot. Oh. Because I have like both. I know this. This is a game changer. Yeah. Oh, wow. My life was totally different. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> to eBay we go. Oh, let me, this, I was going to look at Lexi like, okay, anything else in the question? No, this was my question. So <laughs> I think, yeah, I think that's about it. That's, that was the only part of that question. So. Cool. Right. With that all being said, Lexi, do you want to, um, actually, before we do that, I'm going to turn it over to Jadzia. Jadzia, for the end of the episode, um, is there anything that people, that listeners should be looking out for that you have coming out or where can they find you in social media? Anything you want to pitch? Sure. Um, definitely pick up Galaxy. Obviously, if we haven't sold you on it by now, I'm not sure what else to do. Uh <laughs> A friend of mine said it was the gayest book DC's ever writ- ever published, and I think that's accurate. Mm-hmm. Having read a lot of gay books for my other book that you should pick up, the DC Book of Pride, um, I am confident in that this is gayer. <laughs> <laughs> Not to say other people weren't trying. Like, the Apollo and Midnighter miniseries, very gay, and I love it. But I, I, think, we, I think we nudged it over. The point I'm trying to make is... <laughs> You should pick up that book. You should pick up the book of pride when it comes out next year. It's marvelous. Um, I'm not really on Twitter anymore, um, but feel free to follow me there if you like. I I don't know how long that site is going to last anyway. Um, I'm I'm still on Instagram um, if you are looking for me there. I'm Planet X just about everywhere um, because I have a need to claim that handle and sit on it ever since live journal. (laughs) And that's just who I am. So yeah, um, look for me on Instagram is I guess what I'm saying. And uh, if you're also on Pillow Fort or co-host, which I don't, I barely use those. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe social media is over for me. I am an old woman. Um, maybe I should stop. So look for me on Instagram, uh, buy my books. And uh, I have a newsletter at Tiny Letter. Um, dot com slash planet X. Uh, so subscribe to that. That's probably the best thing to do to keep up on um, Jedzia Axelrod stuff. 
Awesome. Yeah. I, I need to get on the I need to get on the newsletter. That's yeah, my that's, that's what I need to do. Because you know, I don't think MySpace is coming back, so I gotta find Maybe something. Maybe we should make it come back at this <laughs> point. Forget Twitter. That's gross. That sounds less confusing than Mastodon, so might as well. <laughs> Someone explained Mastodon to me and they did a very good job and I was like, I still don't understand. Like I still have no idea. <laughs> I've been I looked at one tweet about it and I'm like I, I, I felt my eyes glaze over halfway through. I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna go down with the ship. <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm gonna be standing right next to the band and their violins. <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun time. Okay. Uh, Lexi, you ready to send us out here? Yes, ma'am. All right. If you like the show and want to hear more from us throughout the week, please go follow our Twitter account at CMX Collective, or you can find us on TikTok at The Comics Collective. You can go see Dallas's cute face there all the time because he's the only one that has the password. Or you can find each of us at our personal Twitter accounts at Dallas underscore comics, at Ann Comics, and at Lexi Lou underscore comics. If you enjoyed the show and want to show your support, please go to Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening, give us a five-star review, call it's pretty, and we will read it off on the show. We didn't have any this week. Uh, we'll we'll try again next week. Rude. Oh, oh, my bad. You, you want me to read the other one that says me? I, well, I thought we were alternating here. I, I thought we were right. rhythm. That's all right. All right. I messed it up. Um, and finally, feel free to email us with your questions or comments for the show at thecomicscollective at gmail.com. And we will see you again next week for our talk on Parker the Hunter with our special um, co-host Doug from For Every Kind of Geek. So it's going to be very, very fun. I have no idea what the book's about. I think it's... I don't either. I think it's a That's not surprising when I say I don't know what it's about. um, Wait. It's a great book. Yeah. You're going to love it. I don't want to spoil a damn thing. (laughs) Be very fun. Hmm. Dallas is going to leave in that part where I completely make a fool of myself, but we'll <laughs> we'll read the book. I'm excited. So yeah, it's very, very good. Okay. Well, again, thank you so much for joining us today. And oh, I hope this is everyone... a delight. This is an absolute delight. Oh, I'm so good. We're so happy to have you. Okay. Thanks everyone for tuning in and we'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks. Bye.